Hey everyone, welcome back to the table. <laughs> I don't know if you could believe it. I can. It has been about three months since we have hopped on here um, in this space and it was unintentional. <laughs> and Goodness, I'm sure you guys get it. This season has been nuts. It has been beautiful and challenging and totally unknown. But with all of that, um, here at Gather, we have taken a huge turn and the services that we have offered and really had to focus in on those. But we are back. We are going to be launching weekly podcasts from here on out, and they are going to be even stronger, even better than you experienced through us before. So we're really excited. And we are excited that you're coming back here to tune in um, and join us in this really difficult conversation. Difficult but beautiful, I'll say that. Um, so if you guys know, um, in addition to the pandemic that is sweeping our world, we are also, as a people, facing um, the Black Lives Matter movement right now. I actually, I don't like calling it a movement. It is awareness of injustice that is happening in our country right now. As a nation, we are facing injustice and we are having to sit back as learners and dive in for healing and restoration. And, um, oh man, I think this is a great segue for me to tell you that if this has been a difficult conversation for you to navigate yourself, I stand with you. Because I think what happens is I just get so overwhelmed that there is so much pain happening in our country and with people that I love. And there is so much fear happening uh, for the totally innocent and that this is still happening. And I'm someone that really likes to comfort and console and make sure that people aren't hurting. And I found through my conversation today, parts some parts that I navigated a little bit awkwardly, that sometimes I just need to be. And that the presence of being can sometimes be way stronger and way more powerful than words. So if you know us here at Making Room, we try not to shy away from any of the hard conversations. And this is um, not exempt from that. We want this to be a space, not that we water down topics, but that we, we create a comfortable place for hard conversations to happen. So today um, I had planned to have this conversation with my friends from COTA for a long time now. And they... We have the same heartbeat for hospitality. Both of our brands really are trying to reach the same end. They offer products to help hospitality happen. We offer stuff on the food side. So together, our brands really complement each other, and I just love them. They are black business owners too, and so we wanted to dive into the conversation of interracial hospitality and how healing and wholeness and strength moving forward really is going to happen around the table. So I hope that you guys feel safe in this space. I hope that you leave feeling empowered and with um, just thought-provoking truth uh, on ways that you could really make changes around your table that can impact the current generation and future generations. And uh, yeah, it is my honor to have hosted this conversation and it is a privilege to be able to share my incredible friends Amber and Mark's success yes that is their real last name and I adore it with you so without wasting any more time I'd like to introduce you to my new friends welcome to making room a podcast by gather intentional living and everyday hospitality listen we understand that the way that our culture often portrays hospitality is unattainable and sometimes even just the thought of opening your door is crippling. Join us in the pursuit to bringing beauty, meaning, and celebration back to the everyday gathering. Go ahead, take your seat. 
We saved one just for you. Hey guys, welcome back to Making Room. We are so excited you're here. It has been a long time since we've connected in this space and I'm really happy to be back, especially with the conversation that we have today with my friends from Cotier. So as much as I would love to talk on their behalf, I would love to turn over the mic to them to start um, so that they can introduce themselves. So Amber and Marks, thanks for being here. Um, let's tell everyone a little bit more about who you are and who Cotier is. Yes. So thank you again uh, for asking us to be on the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. My name is Amber Success, and I am the co-founder of Cotier Brand. We are a party and home entertaining brand. And then with me, we have the other co-founder, my husband. Hello, everybody. My name is <laughs> Mark's success. I'm Amber's husband, if that wasn't uh, clear already. Uh, but together, we are the co-founders of Cotier Brand. Awesome. Your name, your last name is incredible. That's like a powerhouse <laughs> last name. Thank you. It's a lot of pressure. But what I love to tell people is, it's so funny, like before we started dating, he would use his last name, you know, to get at me. He would say like, oh girl, you need some success in your life. <laughs> and all of that, so yeah, I'm giving out too much sauce, okay. <laughs> awesome, okay, so um, everything about your brand, like we said, is hospitality, intentional gatherings, um, and I know it, it's deeper than that. I've heard, your, I've heard your heartbeat behind it. I wanna just invite everyone into that though a little bit deeper, so, what initially um, for you guys opened your eyes to the needs for intentional gatherings? So initially, when we started Cotier Brand, um, our first our first product was a baby shower game. And so it ended up becoming a really great hit for us, um, a great success. But what we found when we did deeper research into why people were loving our game so much was the fact that it was a great connection point for people. It was breaking the ice at baby showers, which, as we know, are pretty notorious for, you know, having a bunch of women around together and they don't know who each other are. And it can just be sometimes a little stiff. So having yeah. a good icebreaker or a way to kind of break the, I guess, yeah, icebreaker, break the ice, it's really helpful. And it really reduces the hosting anxiety. Mm. Um, so doing all of that research, we found that that was the core at, at why our game was so successful. And so we were like, wow, how, how can we recreate that? But not just for baby showers, but for really any gathering. Mm -hmm. So once we understood that connection is, and I like how you said the heartbeat of our brand, um, it really allowed for us to open up our creativity, which as you can see has led, has really shown itself through, through all of our products. Yeah. So that's really where that tone comes from in all of our content, because we know that you know, you can have the most amazing decor, um, the most delicious food, which is important for gathering, right? You can't have nasty food. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's all about the people because yeah. there's times where there's no decor and there's no food, but tortilla chips and salsa, and you can have the most amazing conversation with people. Right. So knowing that at its core, that's what we focus on as a brand. Um, because that's something that we see in the marketplace that nobody's really talking about. They're not really talking about the relationship side of hosting. Yeah. I'll, I'll add to that and, and just say that was exactly where I was going to go with that, where, you know, right now, the way we are, we put such a premium on aesthetics and mm -hmm. having the Pinterest worthy, mm. you know, look and feel when people come in. And honestly, our brand dug into the core of that individual who cares to have their event at that at that scale or at that look or with that Pinterest worthy aesthetic and 
kind of dug into what they want mm. and how to achieve it that they may not even realize what they really need. You know, they might focus yeah. on the decorations and a lot of retailers focus on providing you with that. But what you really need is people to interact with one another via laughter, um, maybe meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people building connections with one another is going to guarantee that that host hosts a unforgettable event. And right. that's ultimately what we're all about. And whenever we uh, start designing our products, we put it through this this kind of litmus test here <laughs> yeah. to make sure that we feel that uh, this is something people can bond over and therefore every event can be meaningful, every event can be unforgettable for the for the guests. And then the residual effect on that is the host gets all the kudos, she gets all of the pats on the back, yep, all, uh, the praise. all the praise, and people want to do it again. So everybody wins. I love that word. Well, I don't love it. It's kind of sad, but <laughs> the word that you use, stiff, in the beginning. I feel like that type of stiff, mundane gathering has become a societal norm for us. Like we, we've just kind of accepted that's what it's going to be, but we all leave disconnected without, yeah, without any kind of like deeper connection to one another, you know? So I think it's really important and something I think that people don't know is possible. Okay. So obviously we talked a little bit about you seeing a need for intentional gatherings through your business and through a married couple as adults, um, through this season of life, but I think for those that follow me and know me, um, a lot of uh, my most eye-opening experiences with hospitality or lack thereof was from my childhood. (laughs) And so I think that that's probably true for all of us, you know, like the skills that we learned or the norms that we learned come from that place. So what, what was your experience growing up with hospitality and did that have any influence over how you approach it now as business owners and adults? Wow. Um, That's a great question. I think we're one in the same with that. Um, I grew up in a very loving household, uh, but at the same time, um, I would say both of my parents were uh, maybe introverted, (laughs) such as myself, where it's like, if we're not really pushed, you know, to invite people or something's not particularly going on, we kind of just stick to ourselves and we're homebodies. Mm -hmm. So I just grew up in a home where we pretty much ate dinner together. We didn't really have people come over unless it was Thanksgiving or Christmas, but nothing really in between. Um, My first introduction to hospitality really was post-college. It was when I met Marx, which is kind of crazy, right? So He was the guy in college where he hosted all the barbecues, all the get-togethers. And my senior year, he lived right across from me. We lived in the same apartment complex. And so one day he, well, he was always inviting me over for like free food and barbecue. And I was like, no, like, I'm not going, like, I'm not doing this. You know what I mean? Like, man, he's not going to get me with the food. (laughs) But eventually, you know, we're college students, so I'm broke. And I'm like, you know what? I think I will go over there and get some chicken and some, uh, and some drinks and whatnot. So yeah, um, I went over there and Mark's, he was the type of guy that was super friendly. Even today, he has tons of friends. And so it was just so inviting and so fun over there. Just the vibe that he created, just just from freshman to senior, everyone is just, and then Mark's, he would spend like what, hundreds of dollars on barbecue and meat yeah. and snacks. A like it was of, crazy. A lot of ill-advised money was spent. <laughs> That's debatable. It was an investment, right? An investment. It was an investment. I didn't call it a terrible investment. It was, you know, <laughs> at the time, it was not the best thing to be doing with the pennies. So, Marks, jumping to you, 
did you learn that from somewhere growing up or did that come out of a need that you felt? For me growing up, hosting was happening a lot. You know, uh, I grew up, we had a very tight knit group of, my parents had a very tight knit group of friends. Uh, Their children ended up being, if they were old enough, they'd be babysitting me or I'd be friends with their kids, you know? And so it was just this tight, tight sense of community growing up. So we, we were always over each other's homes and we prided ourselves on being able to cook food and really, you know, provide a good time. People look forward to coming over the success house, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was something that I had, I didn't know how else to really be. So when it came time to come to college, you know, I prided myself, hey, I can grill really well. I make great chicken, you know? And so <laughs> everybody needs to taste this. Everybody needs to enjoy this. And I discovered in college how much joy I got out of watching people's faces light up or just come together and just laughing, having a good time over the food and environment that I curate. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was getting something out of it, which made the investment, you know, easy to do, but it was just, uh, it was just something that uh, a, a time in the life that we could really couldn't get back. And as we go through the seasons in life, there just came the need to recreate these, these moments as much as we could. Yeah. This is a little bit of a curveball question, but when you saw your parents, exa- like, um, give you the example of hospitality growing up, what were some of the things that they did that really fostered that tight-knit community? Mm, I would say traditions. So that's the first thing that came to mind was that there was an expectation that kind of came along with it. Like, you know, we knew for New Year's this was going to happen. We knew for Christmas something was going to happen. So there was a certain amount of tradition or coordination that went on amongst the group of friends. I saw my parents, They, when it came time, I, I saw different personalities at play. My dad was more of the life of the party. My mom was much more reserved, but she was the one with the cook and really cared about the presentation and, you know, and, and putting things out. And so I saw them kind of, their personalities kind of come to life when people came around and uh, it was time to host. So these were genuine friendships that like really developed. I saw a lot of communication outside of the events too, you know, so it was, it was the, uh, it was a come together. It was an expectation of like, hey, th- no, this holiday or this sometime is coming around. We should get together. And then it was just um, it was just having activities. We did a lot of board games. Mm-hmm. So those became part of the tradition. We actually had a really good one. I mean, if anybody listening to this has <laughs> ever heard of the game Triopoly. Oh, my God. Gotta, gotta have I it. haven't. Yeah. I, I love board games. My husband's learning. We're growing on him. But <laughs> um, is it like a great group, a mixed group game? Oh yeah, it's it's basically Monopoly, but trip a triple level Monopoly game. So we're not talking about something that's going to so be. So Monopoly, over. what already takes you like what twelve hours to get through? So <laughs> imagine having three levels. And so the commitment, <laughs> the commitment to get through this game was one thing. Like you know, you come, you eat, and we all got so we all got to sit down and start eating form teams or whatever. Do we want to do that? <laughs> but yeah, we used to do bragging rights. <laughs> and then there was a. Uh, there was also taboo during Thanksgiving. I remember that a lot. There's I just know you guys are just yeah. so serious about games. Yeah, it was competitive. I think competition, tradition and competition. You know, let's, let's boil it down. <laughs> competition and tradition and just, it just bought the best out of everybody involved, you know? And so yeah. uh, it was a certain sense of unity that came with forming teams and competing in a fun board game. And, uh, you know, just the laughter. Those, that's what my memory's consumed with. So I didn't know how else to really operate once I was on my own. I had to find a way to do that again. I don't know who it was that said it. It was Brene Brown or one of the thought leaders like that. But she said that um, uh, meaningful uh, relationships 
come with like a formula of a combination of recreation and vulnerability. Mm. So if you have, yeah, so if you have too much recreation, you're not going to feel connected. If there's too much vulnerability, <laughs> they'll lead to like relational burnout kind of thing. So it sounds like you had that, that perfect combination of recreation and vulnerability. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Now I want to know who said it. I'll I'll look it up and tag it in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a master at that, not knowing who said things. But <laughs> so if you guys listening follow me um, in the recent weeks, you will have seen or you would have seen that we have been posting about Convokins, Convokins, which is our favorite product that Cotier makes and how we initially connected, actually. Um, even though I could talk about it, I want you guys to tell our listeners about this product. And um, yeah. We could just start there. Okay, yeah. So Combokins is our innovation on napkins. So for years, we just used napkins as napkins, right? As cleaning, I guess as cleaning, not devices, but just <laughs> as, as something that's just there at the party. You don't really do much with it. And so we decided to innovate something that can be found at every single gathering. And so what we did was we made conversation into napkins, convokins, right? Wow. So um, inside of our packs, uh, it comes with a 50, convokins is a 50 napkin pack. And inside of every napkin is a unique question prompt that gets the conversation going. So we have prompts that are on the silly side, such as show me your favorite dance move, all the way to the more serious, like how do you define success? And even uh, prompts in there that's like, where do you go to restore your energy? Um, and we really just kind of hit all the major points of where someone could have a meaningful conversation with people. So the concept for this just came out of my background. I know you kind of heard like I grew up in an introverted home. And so with that, there does come a little anxiety when you're interacting socially with others. And so for me, when I've gone to networking events or bridal showers and baby showers, sometimes it's tough for me to start a conversation. And so I kind of dreamed up like, what would be like the ultimate game changer for people who just don't know how to start conversation um, at dinner parties or baby showers? And so Convokins is how that came about. So mm -hmm. it's simply just placing a napkin at every single place setting and then letting your guests know that there's a surprise inside of their napkins. And so when they open it up, everybody has their own unique question prompt. And from all the reviews that we've gotten so far, people absolutely love it. Um, what's really interesting is kids really like it too. So I have um, some people who have DM'd us, DM'd us and said like, oh my God, like we use this every single time we have family dinner and my seven or my nine-year-old, they just can't stop talking about like, what, what would they do? How do they see success? Or uh, what scares them about technology? Or, you know, if they had one more year to live, what would they see and what would they do? And um, it's just created like really beautiful bonding moments for parents and their children and the same for events as well between strangers. So, so far, I mean, this product has been out for what, like maybe three, four months. Yeah. Well, oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that new guys. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah it just came out um, pre pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Right, right on time. Right. As we're at <laughs> home quarantining and isolating. It's literally the best time to get to know your family members a little better. Okay. Um, yeah, there yeah. you go. So that's the spirit behind Convocants. Yeah. Anything you want to say? Uh, essentially, a conversation starter game in the napkin form factor. You know, mm -hmm. conversation starter cards have always existed and different things like that. But this is more, in my opinion, more seamless 
it doesn't detract from your from your decoration scheme and uh it it also is not as i guess forced as a deck of cards in the middle yeah, of the table that's a good one. um so I, I felt like this would this this would go really well and the unsaid thing here is it's a great napkin yeah I it actually is really absorbent <laughs> i know it's been said he's a napkin snob he actually prefers so much of a napkin snob he prefers to use a paper towel over a napkin I'm and when yeah and when he felt them he's like oh yeah this is it you know <laughs> yeah it's really good um I did want to say too just as a consumer from a consumer standpoint that um here at gather we believe that design food and people a little bit of intentionality in each of those areas is the formula for a a meaningful or purposeful gathering. And again, not like you were saying before, not perfect, not Pinterest, but just a little bit of intentionality. And you guys have encompassed all of those things so beautifully in this product. And I was going to comment on the design too, because um, I was looking at it and I was like, this is perfect. No matter what color I pick, this is going to fit in. Um, and so, yeah, you guys nailed it. We stand behind it. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, at this point, I am going to transition the um, conversation into something a little bit more serious. Um, but as you know, here at Making Room, our heart is to make um, a space for difficult conversations. Actually, the un untold subtitle of this podcast is Making Room, a series of difficult conversations. And we realize that a lot of the areas that keep us from hospitality are some of these pain points that we just don't know how to tackle as a people at our table. We don't know what to say, how to, how to operate in spite of some of these tensions, whether they're said or unsaid. As you guys know, in our culture right now, there is a lot of awareness happening, a lot of education, a lot of coming together to fight for unity. And gosh, it might even <laughs> might make me emotional. It's hard. So obviously, you guys know that I am a white business owner, and Amber and Marks are black business owners. And when I first came to them, I just said, how are you guys doing? <laughs> and how could I be serving you? How could I learn from you? What do you think needs to happen? All of these questions. And um, we kind of decided that in this point of the podcast, I want to sit back and be a learner because I, <laughs> I'm i not the one to be, I don't know, it's oh, it's so emotional, guys, but I, I just care so deeply and I want to use this platform and my life and my table for really like healing and unity and um, goodness. But <laughs> when I asked you guys what your thoughts were and just again, in, in light of all that's happening, what could be done? you had brought up the topic of interracial hospitality and ways that that could really bring healing and unity. So let's just dive there. And I want to start by asking you the question, what does interracial hospitality look like? Let's just talk about it. Well, interracial hospitality looks like people who don't look like one another uh, at an event together, <laughs> quite simply. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that we need more of it uh, in today's yeah. day and time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we were talking about, you know, when when everything broke, obviously, it's been a really tough time. It's been a lot of, you know, between the media and the things that are really happening uh, outside and, uh, and, and just this pandemic all, all at the same time. It's been it's been really uh, difficult and yeah. a lot of negativity in circulation, yeah. you know. And so uh, one of the things that 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 we that we we really brought up to ourselves here was we serve we serve a demographic of people that are really the heartbeat of our country. You know, I think that, 
you know, a lot of in, in these moments, the number one question, you know, I received a lot of times is like, what what can I do? What can we do? Yeah. And we even ourselves, we're asking the same question. What can I do on an individual right now, me personal basis to, to make a change or to make even just a difference, you know? And given the community that we serve with our business, because that's 100 percent how we view ourselves and, you know, we, we serve, and I, I noticed you said that too earlier, um, we serve uh, uh, people who are who create events, you know, whether it be your dinner table, whether it be, um, you know, uh, a virtual party, uh, whether it just be a gathering at a, at a local place when, you know, when things get back to normal, you know, we, we, we serve the people that put these things together and our charge to our group, to our audience, to our, to our, to the people that follow our brand was to t- make the intentional extra effort now to invite someone that doesn't look like you to yeah. whatever the event may be outside of the usual circle because one table at a time one event at a time you know our our demographic we're the ones that make houses feel like homes and yeah. nations feel welcoming you know and that can be that that's that's from the individual basis so you know that that was our, our big charge to our customers yeah um and to people who follow and how important it is that we gather, you know, and that's why your brand, I mean, we, we kind of connected right on time, but yeah, we love exactly what you stood for, but it's so important in, in a time like this that we take advantage and really, this is, I think our hosting powers being put to the, to the test here, where it's what can, what can you do on a personal level? You can definitely bring someone into your fold, um, get to know someone, um, and I'm not trying to just plug Convokins, but the reality, the reason why a lot of interracial uh, uh, gatherings don't happen often is because there is a cultural divide, you know, yeah. but yeah. we are we are all connected on more than we realize, yeah. you know, there's a inside of these prompts, there's all sorts of things, you know, that, that you can ask someone that, that helps them connect, you know, like, what, what's one fear that you would like to conquer? You know, uh, what was the highlight or the low light of your week? You know, and these are these are ways to get the conversation going that, that can be more unifying than our obvious differences, you know? So these are the things that, I, in my opinion, in our opinion, when mm-hmm. we discuss, these are the things from an individual basis that, you know, we definitely need to do. It's very important that we, we challenge ourselves to, to make a change yeah. on our front because what what we because you know got your prompts here and one of the got really thinking is that we have to remember that in the context of history if you look at like human history you know thousands and thousands of years of people on this planet right what what occurred in this nation was in the context of history was pretty much yesterday you know the yeah. people who lived through slavery and jim crow and things of that nature are the people that pretty much raised the adults that we see today and a lot of that stuff, although we don't see it, we don't we don't physically see lynchings anymore. We don't see people getting beat. We don't see slavery on a day to day basis. Its legacy is very much alive in the hearts and minds of people that we talk that we look at every single day or that we interact with, you know. Yeah. So I always try to remind tell people that one of the things we're not doing very well in this nation of doing is really empathizing with those that are yeah. that are that are going through this or that are part of these group of people, Blacks in particular. And that's just one of the reasons that, you know, people get really defensive when it comes to this kind of stuff, because they nobody wants to be associated with this problem. But the reality is it's here and we're dealing with it and it's really on us. 
to to we're at a pivotal point in history. We've got the attention of the nation, and it's on us to make a turn and make history a turn for the better. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's a story we want to tell about America. Yeah. There's a story we want uh, to be true about our ancestors a lot of times, but it's just not the truth. You know, our, our nation was founded on some on some on some things that are really reprehensible. Mm-hmm. And we're we're facing it right now. And so that's uh that's the reality of the situation. But again, to tie it all the way back, you know, one event at a time, we can if, if enough of us can challenge ourselves to just bring people into our fold and really make a friend that, you know, you wouldn't yeah. necessarily uh, that are from a different culture, from a different point of view, you know, then that's a that 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 that's how the world changes right there. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of cultural fear with different, whether it be white and black or Christian Jewish, like anything. There's so much there's so much fear of different, right? And I think because we don't know how to approach it, we keep our doors closed. But um one again, I'm not I'm not trying to be the expert here, but just an example. Um that I kind of equate to it a little bit. When we were in Thailand, we were usually the only white person at the table amongst mm-hmm. a table full of Asians. And it was a little bit intimidating at the beginning, not knowing how to act culturally or what to talk about or whatever. But we quickly found that our lives were so much fuller learning from them and realizing that just because they're different, it doesn't mean that I don't matter. It just means that we have stuff to offer each other. And so as long as we come to the table like open-minded with that willingness to share and learn, my life felt so much fuller. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. coming back to America, um, unfortunately, we're back in a community that is all like us, like yeah. <laughs> religion, interest, skin color. And my husband and I were like, we hate this. Like, this is like the least diverse season of our life. And obviously, I love everyone that I see all the time. If you're listening, I'm not saying that. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, my life doesn't feel as full, honestly. Like, I I don't know. There's a richness that comes when we invite people that are different than us to our table. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's a question for you guys. And again, if if I'm coming at this wrong or whatever, I really want you to tell me, but like, so say for example, someone were to invite you to their house and obviously this topic is a little bit charged in good ways and bad ways, right? Like, would it be your expectation that it be talked about at that gathering or would you just say, Hey, let's just be friends and sit at the same table? For me personally, that's part of the vulnerability aspect for me. I think that if I came to someone's house, I would expect it to come up. So, yeah. that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. I'm conscious I know. I know. 100% of the time. And, you know, breaking through that ice of uncomfortability out, out the bat can really just help things move along. You know, yeah. when I come, I would, you know, yeah, I, I like to talk about it because the cultural differences is, is, is really how you learn. Yeah. I, I forgot to mention, you know, growing up, I was a missionary by, wow. in the summer. So mm-hmm. I went to a lot of different places in the, in the world and um, you know, a, a lot of the countries, like I went, I spent some time in Asia and it's very homogenous there, similar yeah, to the pockets of, of, of places can be here. And from that aspect, when you go there, yeah, you know, you just, you try to dive into that person's culture, into their environment. You know, you bring, you know, I've, the key to that is I try to bring a dish, try to create something from them or try to bring something from my culture. Acknowledging the differences right away is definitely 100% the way to go. And it can be done in a very tasteful way, whether it be through a dish of food or traditional game that you play. Or if you don't have any of that, then trying to do something traditional from that person's culture 
maybe yeah. a word if they speak a different language, try to learn how to greet them in their language or or something like that. That breaks the ice right away because in that moment you're saying, we're different and I love it and I'm here for it and mm-hmm. let's get together, let's become friends. I'm, I have the highest hopes for this relationship. But you'll never get there if you are just trying to shy away from the fact that there's obvious differences between the two. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I maybe I'm wrong, but I think the key is really for the host not to try to be an expert or act like they know how to navigate the conversation perfectly, but really just to come to it, the table humbly as a learner. Yeah, it can be a really beautiful com- conversation where both parties end up stronger, right? And yeah, yeah more unified. Wow. Oh, goodness, guys. I feel like I could take this in so many. No, there's so many ways this conversation can go. I mean, right? it's. Yeah. It's 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 that way, but I think this is really going well. Like I mean, we're really speaking to the group of people that put events on, and this is this is huge. And this yeah. is their way of, you know, contributing to what's going on yeah. in a positive way. Absolutely. Yeah. We we use terminology here um, called "you go first hospitality," and we first learned that like as adults, it's really hard to make friends. And so we tell people like, I know it stinks, it's super hard, and you might get told no, <laughs> but you really have to go first. And so we're trying to empower that, like you go first. And so that comes with invitations too. And um, I tell people all the time, like, I don't know why it's so weird as adults to invite someone that we see, I don't know, maybe we've seen them at the store five times or we work out on the treadmill next to them at the gym. Like there's kind of like this itch in them to itch in us (laughs) to invite them over. Um, But there's this stop that happens. And I think it's the same thing here. Like, I don't know, maybe it feels uncomfortable or uncertain to invite someone different than you over. Um, but I would say do it. Like, <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, there's just so much to gain. No, definitely. Yeah. And it is so hard as yeah. adults to, to bring into your circle. Like, we were just talking about we this. Were, like, yeah. when I was, like, younger, it was so easy to, to just make friends. walk up to people <laughs> and would make friends. Hey, come on over. Let's do this. Let's do that. Now it's like, I don't know you, you know, like, why would I, it's different. Yeah. I think everyone's waiting for the invitation though, but our culture doesn't give us permission. Cause I think we are, we just wrote about this recently. I don't remember where, but um, I feel like the value that our, our culture tells us we have to have as adults is success and instead of relationship and friendship, like friendship is kind of, um, you know, only for like your adolescent years. And then your focus has to be independence and success. And I think that as adults, if we swap that and if <laughs> if we're working against that and including diversity, oh my gosh, like talk about the richness of our lives, you know? Um, I just, I love thinking about a culture that is changing their value to that. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Like it, it man. Yeah, I, personally for me during this time of um, quarantining and just everything just being different. I've been doing a lot of internal work and introspection and um, just really figuring out like, how do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to be more intentional, you know, as a mother and um, just some really beautiful conversations have came out of it for my husband and I just, instead of going into the summer, like, oh, you know, what are we going to do? And you know how sometimes you have all these ideas of what you want to do and then like months pass and now they're going back to school and you're like, oh, wait, we didn't do anything (laughs) at all. So it's like, I just want to be more intentional with my life. And I'm finding that when I'm starting to write things down and take a little action every day or plan something, it's like, wow, we actually are having some memories that we can create. So, and even things as small as like, I love how you brought up 
um, relationships, how in American culture, we don't emphasize that as adults. It's all about success and hustle, and that's the way to be happy, and big home, and cars, and all of that. But deep down, it's like we all know that we're craving to, to feel like we belong and we connect. So there's little things that I do, because now that I've, now that I've, I just feel like I'm becoming more in tune with myself. I kind of feel like, wow, Amber, why are you kind of down today? You know, when's the last time you called your mom, you know, or you called your mother-in-law or you just called a friend? And when's the last time you and Marks actually sat down and talked without, you know, we have two toddlers. So we have a two and a three-year-old without the kids running around screaming, you know, like when's the last time we had a date night where we really had some great conversation, really talked about things other than our business and the kids, you know? So just realizing and looking at my life and doing that analysis, I've been a lot happier. I've been breathing easier. Yeah. I just, I know that there's a lot of negativity going on, but sometimes there's a silver lining in everything. And for me personally, I just, I just feel a lot happier, but I don't have more money. You know, I, I mean, if you look at my life from the outside, it's the same, but it's crazy. I'm so much happier now. So mm-hmm. one thing I wanted to to bring up to, to to any of our listeners is that, you know, the you go first uh, method or just, I guess, your terminology that you guys use over in uh, Gather Intentional. It's so true that, you know, it seems that we all are kind of waiting on the invitation because I don't know for how it was for everyone else, but growing up, friendships kind of were thrown in my lap and things kind of came naturally. And a lot of that evaporates as you kind of get older and you kind of settle into your social circles and things of that nature. But a lot of the hosting anxiety and a lot of times I think as a brand, we can come off as experts. But the reality is we're on the journey with everyone else. We just have a, a couple of things that we're leaning on that we're good at. You know, um, People should be really aware that this is procedural. Like there are things you can do every setting, every event, every gathering mm-hmm. that you get together that are 100% intentional and 100% calculated to open people up and make things welcoming and enjoyable. And that's what the, that's what the products are about. That's what you, you know, your, your etiquette classes or your cheese. Yeah. Dessert, dessert platter. Yeah. Dessert saw, platters yeah. and stuff and stuff like that. There's a reason why people continue to do that, you know, for these events, because it, it, it really fosters, gathering points in your venue and and, and, and togetherness and and warmth and these are things that can be procedural and there's nothing wrong with that you know because yeah that's that's one thing I wanted to point out because the hosting anxiety is real a lot of times people feel like it's more trouble than it's worth and yeah a stranger really you know but there's things you can do to really overcome that really quite easily and you it won't even you won't even realize it after a while yeah and it doesn't take much it's so simple like you said like actually when we were sharing um about your product on our feed it it sounded kind of cute but we meant it like (laughs) like as long as someone knows how to make one of our cheese boards and has your napkins they really should feel comfortable opening up their doors you know what I mean like (laughs) it's it's as simple as food on a platter and napkins you know and obviously you can always expand but it doesn't have to be difficult no I want to jump back just for a second um about like practical um, practical steps to interracial hospitality mm-hmm. just because I'm sure if anyone is in a situation like me where they're like oh my gosh my entire community is Asian white whatever like how do I change that and I know like we were saying too like location is a big factor in that 
the communities that we're a part of have a big factor in that, your church, your workplace, like whatever it is. Let's start with the invitation because I feel like that's always the hardest. Like, so when it comes to an invitation, say like you have someone in your community that you're wanting to invite over, all you do is just invite them, right? Like it doesn't have to be this overthought, overcalculated thing. You just say, hey, you want to come over for dinner? <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, No, you're, you're not. I mean... There's a, when we talk about invitation, I know, no, like uh, we actually, it can be as simple as just inviting that person. There's also, um, when we were, I think we really talked about this and dove into this when we were creating that, uh, the guide for virtual baby showers we did, oh, yeah. where we really encourage people to go a little bit further on the extra mile, just because your event is going to be virtual, right? Yeah. And it can kind of be applied even in physical in physical settings, but anything like when you talk about you, first of all, for an invitation, you have to ask, right? So ultimately you're asking them, yeah, come on over or yes, we'll be here. We want you there too. Um, anything you can do in an invitation to make them look forward to the event or to have a hand in it or participate in it uh. is always like best. For instance, in that guide, we promoted, you know, sending raffle tickets with the invitation and say we're going to wait till the event to scratch this off you know mm-hmm. what I mean mm. uh, that's just something there where it, it seems relatively very simple but when they come to the event you know they're they're waiting for the the part where like we scratch this off the winner gets something you know mm-hmm. uh or it's building that anticipation, anticipation. Yeah. anything so that's the key right there building anything you can do with your invite to build a certain mm-hmm. sense of anticipation at the event is like is huge it, it, yeah. it doesn't take a lot but just anything they can do to look forward to it if you drop a hint that something's going to happen or hey we're going to be playing this or you know we're here's the theme or whatever or like, even food just food you know so yeah. like one thing that we like to do is when we're inviting friends or family over is um I love to tease people. So like if a week or two before, you know, sometimes not, yeah, I'm practicing my dishes just to make sure I have things right. Cause that is one thing you never want to be trying new dishes when people come over. Don't do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're, yeah. You're going to add so much stress. And if it doesn't turn out right, it's yeah, you don't want to do that. Uh, but anyways, I'll create my dish, you know, like my rice and peas. Um, my husband here is half Jamaican, half Haitian. So wow. I know a lot of Caribbean recipes. And so I'll make things and I'll like take quick, like short videos and I'll like send it to family or my friends. I'm like, mm, girl, I'm about to throw down. Wish you were here. <laughs> too, too bad you're not going to be here for another week and a half. Like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get there. Feed me. <laughs> So, yeah, so, like, there's so many, and it, you know, it's for your personality, too, but there's so many things you can do through texts with your friends and your family, Um, and even if it's a stranger just, you know, sending a text saying, hey, can't wait for you to come over tomorrow, like, we're already, uh, we got the Uno, we got the Uno game ready to play, and I don't know about you, but we're pretty competitive over here, I don't know if you guys can hang, so sometimes (laughs) you can do a little trash talking, too, so... Yeah. There's a lot of different things you can do to kind of get that other person like, you know what? They're not weirdos or creeps <laughs> for inviting us over. Like, they're just really friendly people. And I'm excited yeah. over for dinner. A lot of people will end up asking me when I post about this. They'll say, like, do I have to invite them over my house? And honestly, your house is one of the most vulnerable places to invite people into. It is your nest, you know. And I think by doing that, it is allowing people to get to the 
get close to you. You know what I mean? So like, obviously if there's something weird in the relationship where you're suspicious of danger or whatever, please meet somewhere in public. But (laughs) (laughs) I just always like to throw that out there, but I invite people into your home. Like it is a sacred space that is just setting the stage for really beautiful conversation and relationship, you know, and obviously there are different things you could do with ambiance, but please invite people into your home. They need that space. Yeah. So the invitation doesn't have to be overcalculated. You don't have to say like, Hey, I know this is weird. I know there's a lot going on, but like just invite people over. And the worst they could say is no, don't let that discourage you. If anything, they might come back and say yes, because as adults, as a culture, we're not used to being invited, but don't let that stop you. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to say, I think you brought it up, Mark's, um, is like incorporating different cultural foods and things. I remember growing up, we were raised in an Italian American household and I was only comfortable with Italian food until I moved to Asia. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm very, I have a very refined palate. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, But I remember going to different people's houses and they told us not to bring anything and they would have all foods that were so different from me. And I didn't appreciate it at that point in my life. And it felt, I felt less comfortable at their table. So I actually like having gatherings where I'm telling people, they'll say, what do I bring? And I say, bring a dish that's meaningful or important to you. And I think that makes them feel more comfortable at your table and helps me get to know them a little bit better too. Sure. I, I agree. Yeah, that's great. But again, that's that's a that's a way of acknowledging the cultural difference right away. You know, even without necessarily using words and making it awkward. It's like, no, like now we can talk about this dish of food. Where, yeah, what's attached to this? Piece. You know, where does this come from? What country? Oh, okay. You you ate this a lot growing up. Oh, okay. Wow, I didn't know your mom was from there. You know, like that's the kind of stuff that right away people's origin stories acknowledged and if you're starting a great conversation about food food is definitely a uh, a unifier (laughs) yeah yeah it is it is and i think it was you i think you said it before but like obviously yes there are differences but we are more similar than we realize and those are the areas that we have to focus on our love of food our families are you know all these things there are so many things that can unify us and those are the areas that we need to give attention to (laughs) absolutely absolutely especially as we start to you know when we say inviting someone that doesn't look like you this is going to be especially important because you know we're all different and yet still the same I've seen a lot of moms recently posting this um, picture that has gone viral, viral, and it says, I promise to raise kids that will love your kids. And I think um, I told my husband when we moved back from Thailand, I, I was scared that what is happening now would happen, that we would have a community that's all like us. I just remember telling him, like, I want our table to be so diverse that our kids are just like free, just like embracing culture, like loving all people. And I feel like that's really where it happens, right? The table. So like by, we don't have kids yet, but you guys as parents, us when we're parents, whatever, anyone in the community, making your table diverse and embracing that and celebrating that. Like you guys said, interracial hospitality, I feel like that is really going to be the birthplace of change. No, 100%. I mean, if you think about how we started off this conversation and what about your past or what about growing up led you into like this, this space that you're in, you know? Yeah. And we could all vividly remember gatherings as kids with our parents, you know? And so that's 100% where it's going to be, where it's going to start. If we really want to change the nation, we're talking about raising a generation of people that see things differently, that don't have to bear the brunt of of the past and history of our nation. Yeah, I think that raising kids with that as the norm is going to create a a positive ripple effect into upcoming generations. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
That's huge because even when I went to college, mm-hmm. I went to, so I lived in a very diverse area growing up. But when I went to college, I had shaken hands with, I want to say most racist, like most people, Indian, yeah. Asians, blacks, whites. Like I knew, I, I, I was familiar with everything, mm-hmm. you know? So when I went there, I got a white roommate and he was like, man, I've never really shaken the hand of a, of a black guy before. <laughs> I was like, man, I went, I went, I went to school in Indiana, so it was just like it was very rural, and I was just like, oh well, it's not so bad, is it? And we joked around, like you know, it's the same as as, as anyone else. But yeah. he he was just vulnerable in that moment, like I'm be, I have not, I've wow, it's only been a TV type <laughs> right, of thing, right. wow. And that's the, how a lot of people live. I can't stress how much <laughs> of a fan I am of what you guys stand for. <laughs> Amber first, Amber first read that to me. I was like, that is so perfect mm-hmm. for the, wow. like, so timely, too. You know, I, obviously, you didn't plan the events of the nation that are occurring right now. <laughs> but it's like, how how cool is it that, you know, that's your, that was your mantra? And it's so apropos, you know? Mm-hmm. I just... Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like you were saying earlier, a lot of people perceive business owners as experts. And guys, sometimes I'm shaking in my boots because I... Studied social work, didn't study anything to do with culinary arts, didn't grow up in a family that ate at the table, like all these things. And so I just felt this invitation that was like, Katie, you go first. Like, you know, like people need this. You're sitting around waiting. Who is going to do this? And so I am happy and honored and thankful to be the one going first. But it is scary, guys. Like, <laughs> it's it's beautiful. You know, like it's it's incredible. I'm soaking it up. But it's yeah. So thank you for saying that. That encouragement is sweet and timely. Okay. So we close each of these conversations with um, questions that we ask everybody. And so you guys are not exempt from that. (laughs) So what is something that you have found to be beautiful lately? For me, I would say the mornings. Um, I have two boys, a two and a three-year-old. And once they wake up, it is their world. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, I'm just finding just getting up sometimes just an hour before they do, it just completely changes the way I flow through my day. So Mm -hmm. I've really been finding the mornings where it's quiet in the house and I can go um, get my smoothie, listen to some music, or sometimes I just lay on the couch downstairs, (laughs) you know, I just been finding the mornings to be very beautiful. Marks, do you have anything? Yeah. Um, I've been finding uh, time spent at home being very beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. before this whole thing occurred, uh, it was a lot of hustle and bustle for me uh, and just always running in and out the house and doing different things. But this has really forced a massive slowdown and yeah. uh, in, in how I spend my time. And I'm getting a chance to catch my kids and catch my wife in moments that I have not previously seen. And Aww. to me, that's been like, Aww. that's been very beautiful. I'm, I'm serious. It's just been, oh man, I didn't know that's how that happens, you know, and stuff like yeah. that. And kind of seeing all the different moods and moments. It's, it's been awesome. Yeah. That's my prayer for all the families that are home right now, even in the midst of the difficulty that there are those glimpses of thankfulness and, you know, beauty in the midst. So what is something you guys have taking a real quick turn here? <laughs> <laughs> What's something you have eaten recently and loved? Well, let's just say I have a cheese board addiction. So <laughs> every Saturday, I order this cheese board from this place in town called Rebel Cheese. And this is not a, a plug or anything, but I absolutely love their boards. And 
it's it's just something I order every single Saturday to the point where they know exactly what cheeses I like and what dried fruit to put in there. And so I would say that's like my guilty indulgence, but that's just what I've really been enjoying lately. It's kind of, it's become kind of a ritual in a way. I'll add that this place is a solid 30 minutes from us and I'm the one that has to drive (laughs) to go pick this thing up. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. You're a good guy. But meanwhile, you're counting the days until COVID's over probably. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Okay. And then maybe you could, default to your answer earlier if that applied here but um, a gathering that you've attended that made you feel a strong sense of belonging and what it is that made you feel that way a gathering that made me feel a strong sense of belonging was definitely I think the most I felt that way with my virtual birthday party we just had yes so that was good Amber threw me a virtual birthday party that I was not expecting so you guys could call it a virtual surprise party (laughs) and on there were a lot of uh, friends and family it was like a collision of worlds right I had my friends and friends from college friends from growing up and then my family uncles and aunts and everything there and the fact that they took their time to get on that call with me amber had this game prepared again throwing her tactic in her she said she was really nervous about the whole thing but she threw kind of like a who knows mark's best type of game that we could play through zoom and it was his 30th birthday so it was kind of in honor of him turning 30 so it's like who knows him the best so it was so much fun and um I added an Amazon gift card at the end. So people got really competitive and were trying to answer the questions. And to make it even more fun, I threw in some kind of like some fake questions in there. Like, uh, I can't remember which ones I used, but um, can you remember any of those questions? Hold on, you said the time I got arrested or something. Oh, oh, man. (laughs) Oh, Oh, here's a good one. So um, tattoos. That's something like in his family, you just don't get tattoos. Yeah. So um, so I put a question in there. Where has Mark's gotten his latest tattoo? <laughs> and oh my goodness, Katie, you should have saw the look on his parents' face on Zoom. They like literally just like could yeah. not believe it. My mom was about to have a conniption. Yeah, I can see the heart palpitations through the screen. It was, it was so funny. And the uncles were like, ooh. <laughs> so we just had a lot of fun there. And his college buddies were laughing. And so I threw in a couple questions in there that just, like, if you really know Marsh, you know, he wouldn't, you know, do certain things. So, yeah. Yeah, was- yeah that's awesome. Oh, I love it. Well, thanks, guys. This was really, really, really sweet. I'm thankful that you guys are willing to dive into this with me and let me awkwardly navigate this conversation <laughs> of being a learner and trying, to, yeah, just really make this be a place where we can have hard conversations, but leave, leave strong, you know, and um, I just feel, I feel better prepared. I, I'm just really thankful for this dialogue today. At the end of this conversation, Amber and Mark stay down with me for a little bit and let me just um, talk and ask and listen. And I am just so thankful for how gracious they were. I'm thankful for their grace. I'm thankful for their understanding. I'm thankful for them um, staying at the table with me. And what I told them afterwards is they just reflect such a peace and an understanding and a security. And I know that is largely attributed to their faith, but that is the key to making these conversations work around the table is holding on to that peace, holding on to that security and that understanding and allowing us to just dive into these conversations together and to be learners and question askers. So even though we didn't include this last part in the conversation, um, I just wanted to thank them. I am 
so blessed by them, so blown away by them, and just so thankful for who they are in this hospitality space. So as we end today, I want to make sure that you head over to their website. I want to make sure that you follow them on Instagram at Cotier Brand. The way that you spell their name is C-O-T-I-E-R, and yeah, their handle is at Cotier Brand. And make sure to get their Convokin napkins straight on Amazon, shipped right to your door, and tag both of us when you use them at your next gathering. We love you guys. Thank you for hanging in with us today. We are so excited to hang out with you more next week.